This is Parrot Talk. Brought to you by Restoring the Faith Media. RestoringTheFaith.com Hey, good morning. Uh, it is the day of unprecedented anger. Um, today is Wednesday. It is the 18th day of the 10th month of the year of our Lord, 2023. Mike Parrot here, host of Parrot Talk. Carried here on the Crusade Channel, live talk radio the way it should be. We are with you every Monday to Friday. 10 a.m. Central Standard Time. Usually broadcasting from the heart of America, today I am in a remote location, a cabin in the woods, and I am so glad to nevertheless be with you this morning. On this day of unprecedented anger, I think that's today, right? Is today supposed to be Hezbollah announced that there's going to be a day of unprecedented anger against Israel and Biden's visit? The call comes amid... Al-Alni hospital explosion in Gaza, which the IDF intel showed was caused by a Palestinian Islamic Jihad rocket misfire. So, um, I, (laughs) I just want to, that, I just want to, um, I don't want to insult your intelligence, okay? The way that the media constantly insults your intelligence. I don't want to assume that you are so gullible as to believe that a hastily created shoulder-fired rocket system could take out an entire hospital and kill 500 people. I would never want you to believe that that is true or possible. Because I think you're smarter than that. I think that you have the capability of going out to the interwebs and just taking a a gander, a perusal of what is actually out there. What does it look like when one of these hastily created, locally fabricated missiles actually explodes? You know, these guys uh, uh, in the Gaza Strip, these Hamas buffoons, these terrorists, they are terrorists. They're terrible. I, I, I don't back them at all, whatsoever. As much as I may agree with one or two of their positions. I think that you, you have to understand that these people are pulling water pipes out of the ground, chopping them up into little bits, and turning those bits of water pipes into missiles. There's no way that one of these shoulder-fired missiles from the Gaza Strip took out an entire hospital. Unless the hospital was made of clay, or perhaps if the hospital was made of sand. People imagine that one of these missiles is, is, is the same thing as, you know, one of the intercontinental ballistic missiles that we might fire from a naval platform or from a ground-based missile silo. It's not. It's nothing of the sort. So when the Jews come at you, the Jews in Jerusalem, and they say, like they're saying here today, this morning on the Jerusalem Post, that Hamas blew up their own hospital 
it wasn't their own hospital, it was a Baptist hospital, that Hamas blew up their own hospital because of a misfire, a misfire on one of these shoulder-fired rockets. You have to you have to believe that or else you're going to be called anti-Semitic. If you challenge it in any way, if you apply common sense to it, then you will be called a name. And this is exactly how the news media operates in the world today. This is exactly the way everybody is operating. You will believe that the Ferguson, Missouri riots are justified or you are racist. You will believe that the St. George Floyd riots are mostly peaceful or you're a racist. You will believe that the monkeypox affects everybody, not just homosexuals, or you are a homophobe. You will believe the narrative that the only uniquely bad targetable group on earth are white Christian males. Those are the only people that you are allowed to stereotype, those are the only people you are allowed to, well, to racially profile. And so if you apply any level of common sense to the Jewish narrative here, that 500 people, including patients in critical condition on life-saving equipment, Children, women, nurses, doctors. Don't we want more doctors and nurses in the Gaza Strip? Isn't this a humanitarian crisis already? Aren't there millions of people packed into a place that really can't accommodate them? Yes, they tear apart their own infrastructure to make missiles. That's stupid. They shouldn't do that. Don't we want to educate and civilize these barbarians? Is the way forward in the education and civilization of these Mohammedan barbarians to just blow them up, blow up their hospital, blow up their buildings, blow up their housing, blow up their infrastructure, deprive them of running water, power, basic necessities, transport, highways? Do we actually think that we can defeat them in this way. Who who has ever been defeated in this way? I ask. I'm this is a serious question. I, I and I don't I don't know the answer to that question. I don't know of too many cases in world history where a committed like a philosophically committed enemy someone who has a strong ideology and a will to fight. I can't think of a situation where that person or persons or people have been defeated by acts of vandalism, terrorism, violence, indiscriminate violence. I, I don't I don't know that um I don't know. 
I don't know that there is that there are too many. Look, it, when you even go back to, we wanted to win World War II. Everybody talks about uh, the United States winning World War II. We really wanted to win World War II. Did we win World War II because we killed every last German? Did we win it because of the way that we tortured the civilian populaces in places like Dresden, Hamburg, Tokyo, Hiroshima? Is that how we won World War II? We broke the enemy's will to continue fighting? Do we think that we're going to break Hamas's will to continue fighting? By continuing to blow up their hospitals, by continuing to blow up their stuff, and then claim that it was them, and then pull the Jewish switcheroo on it and say, oh, you guys blew up your own thing to make us poor, innocent, Holocaust survivors look bad. I, I just don't know. I don't know the answer to that question because, you know, it wasn't that long ago that I would have been on the train that says, finish them. Just, just drive in there and kill every member of Hamas. The problem is we don't know who's Hamas and who's just a regular Palestinian. And a lot of those people are innocent, and a lot of them are Christians. Israel now saying that there is no such thing as an innocent civilian population anywhere in Palestine, anywhere in the Gaza Strip. There's no such thing as an innocent civilian population. Do you see what's happening here? This, this is getting very serious. This is getting very, very dark. We would not tolerate language like this from anyone else on planet Earth besides Netanyahu. He gets to he gets to talk like a genocidal maniac. He gets to sit in the comfort of his selected position where he is backed by the world's lone superpower. And he makes he makes these claims that anyone else in the world would be rejected, kicked off of the Security Council, kicked off of the Human Rights Council, expelled from the United Nations. This laughs in the face of the Geneva Convention, this type of language. There's no such thing as an innocent populace anywhere in the Gaza Strip you know, I made this this uh, observation last week, and it's it's becoming more and more increasingly true. I was just musing out loud. I was wondering how in the world have there even been genocides in in modern world history? How have genocides come to pass? How have they come to be? And the answer is, is that they happen in plain sight and to the cheering and adulation of the uninformed, low-information masses. Most of the quote-unquote Western world right now is cheering on 
the idea that one to two to three to four million human beings are being systematically exterminated hospital by hospital, building by building in the Middle East. You can see the cheering in the streets. You can see it on television. When we get to the point where AOC starts to sound like a voice of reason, and she does, AOC on CNN sounds like a voice of reason, and I I don't know what alternate universe I'm living... Do you want to hear this clip? I don't know if I can get you the clip. I'm going to get you the clip, okay? AOC sounds like a voice of reason. And I don't know what to do with myself right now. Are you feeling the same way? Are Am I alone in trying to understand how it has come to pass that AOC goes on CNN and CNN defends Israel challenges AOC and just basically advocates for unrestricted total war against a defenseless and innocent civilian population how did how did it come to pass that CNN is advocating for war and AOC is 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 the voice of reason here she is as all of this kind of kicked off you and several other of your colleagues uh, released a statement calling on a, for a ceasefire uh, in the region but i wonder what is israel supposed to do about hamas after they murdered brutalized mm-hmm. abducted over mm-hmm. a thousand of their citizens are they supposed to just do nothing well you know i think what's important to note about a ceasefire is that it's not one-sided Hamas has been sending thousands of rockets into Israel as well. And what is important is for us to identify our goal in terms of what safety means, in terms of what defense means. But and if I, think I may, it, Congresswoman, I think the position from Israel's perspective is that there was already an attack. Mm-hmm. And Hamas already committed an attack. Mm-hmm. After that happened, do you really believe that they should not respond to that? I think what is important in terms of response is Israel does have a right to to self-defense. I think what we need to take a look at in this situation is if collective punishment qualifies as defense, if the blockade on water, food, electricity, if the dropping of white phosphorus, uh, which is an indiscriminate weapon, qualifies. So I do believe that there's a discussion to be had here. I don't believe but, that an either-or approach is what is necessary, but we should identify what our goal is, which is the cooling of tensions in the well, region. Israel's goal is to rid the region of Hamas. They've been very clear about that. And I certainly take what you're saying about the condition of Gaza right now Mm -hmm. for civilians who, as you point out, are not synonymous with Hamas. But for Israel to deal with Hamas, which uh, is a force that is actually detrimental to Palestinians. Absolutely. How else are they supposed to address a violent militant, Mm -hmm. some say terrorist group, Mm -hmm. uh, other than to go in there and and take them on directly? Well, 
You know, when we talk about going in there, I think we should also keep in mind President Biden's statements uh, as well about what a potential, what the implications of a potential ground invasion would be. This is an inherently complex situation. I do believe that Hamas needs to be dealt with. But how, I think, is what I'm trying to understand. And I think what we're trying to figure out right now is that this present situation of collective punishment and and indiscriminate attack is is one approach, but we are seeing the the issues and the complications with that approach now. Can we target them in terms of intelligence? Is there precision? What are the options available? Are... An entire are, are entirely up to the administration and for for Israel to um, to examine and explore. I'm as stunned as you are. First of all, I didn't realize that AOC had a vocabulary capable of describing exactly what was happening in the Gaza Strip. I don't even. Uh, you see the memes. And the memes are funny, and obviously she's not a high IQ member of Congress. So she's been coached, and she's learned these words. And she maybe had to spell them out. They probably did flashcards. I don't know what the memory device was to get her ready uh, to, to be able to make these, these bold statements. But here you have AOC accurately describing the idea that we are using indiscriminate weapons like white phosphorus you know i was texting my dad and i was like hey what are your views just generally speaking on the use of white phosphorus on a civilian population like in general i i'm not asking in any particular sense i'm not asking about israel and palestine i'm not asking about i'm just asking is there a principle in play that you can appeal to one way or the other to either justify and defend or to condemn the use of white phosphorus against a civilian population, just in general, we, before you know any of the specifics, wouldn't answer the question, of course, because he knows what I'm getting at. See, here's the problem with people who have no principles, or whose principles are Israel first, which is the same thing as having no principles if you're an American citizen. Because it's not a crazy idea that if you live in the United States, you should think about the United States' interests first. You should be a patriot first. That's That was my problem. And maybe that was your problem too. I don't know. Some of you have probably been awake longer than I have. But I have the microphone, so I get to tell you about my problem. My problem was that I falsely believed that to be a patriot in these United States was to unconditionally support any and all actions around the world that further, quote-unquote, democracy. To unconditionally support any and all actions around the world in support of, quote-unquote, freedom, democracy, our way of life, quote-unquote. What is our way of life? I've now come to understand that the USA is characterized by usury, sodomy, and abortion. USA, that's what it stands for. That is our way of life, and that's our chief export. We're really, really good at making sure the rest of the world lives our quote-unquote way of life, of usury, sodomy, and abortion. I used to believe that patriotism meant that if the president says we're Saddling up, boys. 
We got somewhere to be. We got someone to meet and a job to do. That we put our boots on, our helmets, our Kevlars, load our weapons, get in the plane, and go. I thought that was the highest and most distinguished form of patriotism there was. I thought, falsely, that this is exactly what I was born to do. My duty. But patriotism is a Catholic virtue, ladies and gentlemen. And there is always more to the story when it comes to Catholic virtue. Moral theology is just a unending onion of richness and good information, layers and layers and layers of beautiful meaning. What is patriotism? Patriotism in its essence is to love your country. And what does it mean to love something? What does it mean to have charity for something? It means that you will the good of that thing. If you love your wife, you will her good. If you have charity for your neighbor, you will the good of your neighbor. What does it mean to love your wife? It means to wish the best for her, and the absolute best for her is that she goes to heaven. What does it mean to love a place, a country, a people? It means to will their ultimate good. Patriotism is not the unquestioning acceptance of how a nation is. It is a continual work of striving that your people, your countrymen, can be a certain way. It is, a, it, is a, uh, it is aspirational. It thinks about the possible. It thinks about what, how things ought to be, the ideal. Patriotism is loving our nation, which means we will it to be good, which means we will it to be a confessional Catholic state an integrally Catholic state. We will our nation to be a place where it is easy to live out the Catholic life. Presently, our nation is defined by usury and sodomy and abortion. That makes it hard to live out a Catholic life. When you live under the blanket of usury, when you are entrapped in debt your whole life, when you're born into it and you die in it and there's no escape from it. It's like the sky spread out over everything. You can never outrun it. It's everywhere. Sodomy is the official religion of half the country, including most of the government. Abortion is the high sacrament of the anti-church which presently rules our land. Is it easy or is it hard to live a sacramental Christian life in circumstances such as these? So I had a fundamental misunderstanding of what patriotism was for a lot of my early adult life. I thought that I was 
the epitome of an Amer- American patriot because I wore the uniform and I fought the battles and I led my men and we came home together. It wasn't until later on that I started to consider for whom did I really fight? For what? For whose benefit? For what purpose? What were our strategic, operational, and tactical goals? Patriotism does not unquestioningly accept what a nation does. It seeks the absolute best for the nation. It seeks the best for our leaders, for our people, for our countrymen. We must demand, no, I say require, we must require that our elected officials be patriots. A patriot asks the simple question first, will this be good for my homeland or not? Will it be good for my homeland or not? Will this help my people in some earthly way, material way? Will it help to provide and protect our people? Will it help in our safety and our prosperity? Will it help our people in a supernatural way, in a moral way? These are the types of questions that politicians ought to be asking. These are the questions that we have to ask ourselves when we consider our own patriotism or lack thereof. I think I'll continue on this thread after the commercial break. I hope you don't go anywhere on this Wednesday morning. It is so good to be with you here on the Crusade Channel, live talk radio the way it should be. Parrot Talk will be right back. Hey, I just met you, heard you're a groomer, so here's your millstone, good luck loser, it's hard to look right when you're a pervert, so take your millstone, no kids will get hurt, gotta get these fools into the bottom of the ocean, down in the ocean, alongside that titan sub, gotta get these guys down to the bottom of the ocean, throw them in the ocean, with that Titanic sub. Welcome back to the show. It is still the day of unprecedented rage. We've been talking here on the Crusade Channel, uh, live talk radio the way it should be, about the unprecedented day of rage and vis-a-vis whether or not we should be really surprised by it. Good morning, Mike Parrott, back with you on Parrot Talk, Monday the Friday, 7 a.m., not 7 a.m. We're 10 a.m. The King Dude's on at 7 a.m. And he's on at 8. And he's on at 9. But at 10 a.m., you get your reprieve. You get your, ah, your second-tier talent. The perfect person to follow the King Dude. Big shoes to fill. Your favorite 10 a.m. Central Standard Time, Monday to Friday show. By the way, I need you to go ahead and head on over to shop.mychurch.com. You've got to check out the Founders Trading Post. You can buy coffee, books, cigars, all kinds of things at shop.mychurch.com. We need to keep it local. I've been talking in the last segment about usury, sodomy, and abortion, USA. 
My wife heard me say that once the other day. She's like, did you come up with that? And I'm like, yes, wife. You clearly have not been listening to the show for the last two years. Because that's been a thing for a while now. She's like, oh, that's pretty clever. <laughs> Thank you, wife. I appreciate that. It looks like John Boehner and Newt Gingrich are getting back into politics. Well, they're trying to bail out the Republican Party. The Republican Party cannot find a Speaker of the House. It looked like Jim Jordan was going to clinch the deal. He was in the high 190s in terms of votes. You've got to get to 217. It looks like it's slipping away. Jim Jordan's bid for the third in line to the presidency of the United States. Speaker of the House. Not happening. Now, Boehner. Do you remember Boehner? He was always orange. He was the original orange man before the big bad orange man came along. And Newt Gingrich, remember him? Contract with America, contract on America, who knows? Newt Gingrich, John Boehner. You know, I expect, who's that young kid from the upper Midwest who was speaker for a little bit? He ran with Mitt Romney. What was his name? Young guy. He's not even in Congress anymore. I expect him to jump in as well and back the idea of the compromise candidate. McHenry, 47 years old. He is the chair-warming speaker pro tempore, a temporary speaker. And he just looks so good up there with his bow tie that they're thinking like, hey, why don't we just stick with Patrick McHenry? Republican from North Carolina, compromise candidate. Jim Jordan got 200 votes yesterday on Tuesday. He needs 217 his chances are not very bright. He has the opposite problem, Jim Jordan does, that Kevin McCarthy had. McCarthy couldn't clinch the votes. Remember, famously, he couldn't get Laura Boebert. He couldn't get... Uh, who's that crazy woman down in Atlanta? And obviously, he barely got Matt Gates. In order to close out with Matt Gates, he had to do the deal where he said that only one member of Congress can force a no-confidence vote. It's not called a no-confidence vote here in the United States, but that's essentially more or less what it was. A no-confidence vote. And Matt Gates made good on his promise. He did force a no-confidence vote. Basically, the moment after Kevin McCarthy went sideways on everything that he promised to do. He promised to investigate Biden. He hasn't. He promised to balance the budget. He didn't. He voted for continuing resolutions. He voted for the status quo, and he continued to fund this runaway government of ours. And Matt Gates held him responsible for that. I can tell you right now that if we get Representative Patrick McHenry from North Carolina, as the Speaker of the House, the Republican Party will continue to do exactly what it has always done, which is to fund the Democrats' ambitions 
and try to blame all the downfall, all the blowback from the Democrats' failed initiatives, spending, runaway spending, whatever, Green New Deal, ESG, eat the bugs, whatever it is, they are going to fund all of that and then try to blame Democrats politically for it. You're too smart to let them get away with that. You're too smart for that to happen because you continue to listen to the Crusade Channel. By the way, this portion of Paratalk is brought to you by the Epoch Times. Speaking of how smart you are and how informed you are, subscribe today, watch their new docufilm, No Farmers, No Food, Will You Eat the Bugs? I can't talk about eating the bugs without wanting to bring up this particular live segment. Subscribe today through the Crusade Channel for $1 for your first month. Go to crusadechannel.com forward slash epoch. You're here. You're listening to this broadcast. You're subscribed to the Epoch Times for a buck. You can see right through this. You know that McHenry is going to be the status quo. No change. Nothing new under the sun. Meanwhile, AOC is going to start to make a hell of a lot more sense to you. Now, granted, AOC is out there supporting Hamas. She hates Israel. She's actually a Muslim terrorist supporter, sympathizer. She's part of this gang of Muslim terrorists um, with her, her best friend who married her brother out of Michigan, out of Dearborn. So we don't... I'm not siding with AOC. I'm not supporting AOC. I'm not endorsing AOC. I think she's a high-functioning retard. But she was at least able to come out on CNN and say, look, we need a ceasefire. People need to stop dying. Just because you launch a rocket into Israel doesn't mean that a million people have to die. It's disproportionate. It's a disproportionate action. One of the things that is lost on us in modern thought, modern warfare, is just war theory. Proportionality is one of the criterion by which you judge a military action. If somebody flicks you in the ear... You don't have the right to stab them in the chest and kill them. That's a disproportionate action. We have done our best to enshrine the idea of proportionality inside of our criminal law in the United States. You only have the right to use deadly force if your life or limb is on the line. So if some guy gets sloshed at a football game and he starts making threats or maybe he pushes you, you don't have the right to whip out your pistol and just off him. What you do have the right to do is push him back, maybe take him to the ground. Maybe show him who's boss. But you don't have the right to kill someone just because they offend you. Here we have a legitimate attack that happened. Now, I don't know if Hamas actually did the attack or if this was an inside job. I don't know how it's possible 
that two of the world's most sophisticated intelligence agencies on planet Earth missed this. I don't know how the weapons got into the Gaza Strip. Did they go through the Egyptian border? Did they go through the Israeli border? I don't know how these munitions and this coordination happened. Muslims aren't exactly the kind of people who keep things quiet. They love to brag about their plans. There's always chatter about what they want to do. No signs. No warning signs whatsoever. Total surprise attack, total sneak attack on our greatest ally. I don't know how that happened. What I do think that I know, and again, I don't believe anything that I see, but what I do think that I know is that, yes, some people died in Israel. It appears that some people died in Israel after this event. And if that's the case, then there could be a just war argument for a proportional response. But it is not a proportionate response to displace millions of people to destroy their infrastructure, bomb their hospitals, maim and pillage their women, their children indiscriminately, drop white phosphorus on them, and claim that there's no such thing as an innocent civilian population. That is not a Christian response. It may be a Jewish response. I don't know. You know, Dr. E. Michael Jones contends that abortion is the Jewish sacrament. And he points to hundreds of examples of leading Jewish figures who basically say the same. So if your false religion, dead religion, is based on the sacrifice of human beings, then maybe it is part of the Jewish religion that you indiscriminately kill people. And maybe we need to have the conversation about what is a Jewish value. Can we separate Judeo-Christian values out for a second? Can we talk about the Judeo values and the Christian values? Because I don't think they're the same thing. If you're telling me that the child killers that this is central to their religion. And Dr. Jones makes the argument pretty compelling. If you're telling me that the religion of people who thinks it's okay to kill babies is now going to conduct warfare in an indiscriminate way and believes that there's no such thing as an innocent civilian population, maybe we ought to examine the differences between Jewish values, Jewish warfare, and Christian values, Christian warfare. Because our society is not based on the former. Or at least it wasn't supposed to have been. And again, I, t I, I say this all the time. It is our duty to be patriots. It is our duty to love our nation. And the way that we love our nation is to make it better and better. The way to love your nation the way to exercise the Christian virtue of patriotism is to will the good for your homeland. Thank you so much for listening. God bless you. 
I will see you soon, probably tomorrow. Let's see what happens in the next 24 hours. Not only around the world, but in the United States as well. This is Paratalk here on the Crusade Channel Live, talk radio the way it should be. See you soon. This is Paratalk. Brought to you by Restoring the Faith Media. Restoringthefaith.com